Chapter twenty two of Loafing Along Death Valley Trails by William Carruthers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty two Lost Mines The Brayfogle and Others. The most famous lost mine in the Death Valley area is the Lost Brayfogle. There are many versions of the legend, but all agree that somewhere in the bowels of those rugged mountains is a colossal mass of gold which Jacob Brayfogle found and lost jacob brayfogle was a prospector who roamed the country around pioche and austin nevada with infrequent excursions into the death valley area he traveled alone indian george hungry bill and panamint tom saw brayfogle several times in the country around stovepipe wells but they could never trace him to his claim when followed george said brayfogle would step off the trail and completely disappear once george told me about trailing him into the funeral range he pointed to the bare mountain him there me see pretty quick he paused puckered his lips whoop no see brayfogle left a crude map of his course all lost mines must have a map conspicuous on this map are the death valley buttes which are landmarks because he was seen so much here it was assumed that his operations were in the low foothills i have seen a rough copy of this map made from the original in possession of wild rose frank kennedy's squaw lizzie brayfogle presumably coming from his mine was accosted near stovepipe wells by panamint tom hungry bill and a young buck related to them known as johnny hungry bill from habit begged for food brayfogle refused explaining that he had but a morsel and several hard days journey before him on his burrow he had a small sack of ore when brayfogle left hungry bill said him no good incited by hungry bill and possible loot the indians followed brayfogle for three or four days across the range hungry bill stopped en route sent the younger indians ahead at stump springs east of shoshone brayfogle was eating his dinner when the indians sneaked out of the brush and scalped him took what they wished of his possessions and left him for dead ash meadows charlie a chief of the indians in that area confided to herman jones that he had witnessed this assault this happened on the yunt ranch or as it is better known the man's ranch yunt and aaron winters accidentally came upon brayfogle unconscious on the ground the scalp wound was fly-blown they had a mule team and light wagon and hurried to san bernardino with the wounded man the ore a chocolate quartz was thrown into the wagon i saw some of it at fee lee's home the resting spring ranch shorty harris said it was the richest ore i ever saw fifty pounds yielded nearly six thousand dollars brayfogle recovered but thereafter was regarded as slightly off he returned to austin nevada and the story followed wild rose frank kennedy an experienced mining man obtained a copy of brayfogle's map and combed the country around the buttes in an effort to locate the mine kennedy had the aid of the indians and was able to obtain through his squaw lizzie such information as indians had about the going and coming of the elusive brayfogle some believe the ore came from around daylight springs shorty said but old lizzie's map had no mark to indicate daylight springs but it does show the buttes and the only buttes in death valley are those above stovepipe wells 
Kennedy interested Henry E. Findlay, an old-time Colorado sheriff, and Clarence Nyman, for years a prospector for Coleman and Smith, the Pacific Borax Company. They induced Matt Collin, a rich Salt Lake mining man, to leave his business and come out. They made three trips into the valley looking for that gold. It's there somewhere. In Austin, Brayfogle was outfitted several times to relocate the property, but when he reached the lower elevation of the valley, he seemed to suffer some aberration which would end the trip. His last grub staker was not so considerate. He told Brayfogle that if he didn't find the mine promptly, he'd make a sieve of him, and was about to do it when a companion named Atchison intervened and saved his life. Shortly afterward, Brayfogle died from the old wound. Indian George, repeating a story told him by Panamint Tom, once told me that Tom had traced Brayfogle to the mine, and after Brayfogle's death, went back and secured some of the ore. Tom guarded his secret. He covered the opening with stone, and, leaving, walked backwards, obliterating his tracks with a greasewood brush. Later, when Tom returned, prepared to get the gold, he found that a cloudburst had filled the canyon with boulders, gravel, and silt, removing every landmark, and Brayfogle's mine was lost again. Someday, maybe, George said, big rain come and wash em out. Among the freighters of the early days was John Delameter, who believed the Brayfogle was in the lower Panamint. Delameter operated a 20-mule team freighting service between Daggett and points in both Death Valley and Panamint Valley. He told me that he found Brayfogle down in the road about 28 miles south of Ballarat with a wound in his leg. Brayfogle had come into the Panamint from Pioche, Nevada, and said he had been attacked by Indians, his horses stolen, while working on his claim, which he located merely with a gesture toward the mountains. Subsequently, Delameter made several vain efforts to locate the property, but like most lost mines, it continues to be lost. But for years it was good bait for a grub stake and served both the convincing liar and the honest prospector. Nearly all old-timers had a version of the lost Brayfogle, differing in details, but all agreeing on the chocolate quartz and its richness. That Brayfogle really lost a valuable mine, there can be little doubt, but since he is authentically traced from the northern end of Death Valley to the southern, and since the chocolate quartz is found in many places of that area, one who cares to look for it must cover a large territory. One mine that had never been found turned up in a way as amazing as most of them are lost. At Pios, Nevada, an assayer was suspected of giving greater values to samples than they merited it is known as the come on in order to trap the suspect a prospector broke off a piece of old grindstone and ordered an assay if he gives that any value it's proof enough he's a crook he told his friends proof of guilt came with the assayer's report the grindstone was incredibly rich in silver it said we've got the goods on him now the outraged prospector announced and it was decided to give the assayer a coat of tar and feathers Wiser counselor was accepted, however, and it was decided to give him no more business. The fellow was faced with the alternative of starving or leaving the country, when he learned the reason of the boycott. Conscious of no error in his work, he made another and more careful assay. This time the samples yielded even higher values. It was agreed by all mining engineers of that day that rock, like the samples, never carried silver or gold. 
but the assayer knew his furnace hadn't lied and he couldn't believe grindstone makers were mixing silver with sand to make the stones so he traced the grindstone to the quarry it came from the result was the silver king one of the richest silver mines a survivor of the jayhawkers or the bennett arcane party of forty nine it is not clear to which he belonged after escaping death in the valley saw a deer or antelope and on the point of starvation took his gun from its strap to shoot the animal seeing that the sight had been lost he picked up a thin piece of shale and wedged it in the sight slot later he took the weapon to a gunsmith who removed the makeshift sight and upon examination found it to be almost pure silver where i picked it up said the owner there was a mountain of it so begins the history of the lost gun sight and the story spread as stories will until ten years later it reached the ears of dr darwin french of oroville previously mentioned the doctor became excited and in the spring of eighteen sixty organized a party to locate the fabulous mountain of silver though he searched bravely he failed to find it however he brought back the first authentic account of what others with a flair for lost mines could expect in the way of weather topography indians edible game vegetation and water on this trip however he discovered silver in the coso range the following year eighteen sixty one dr s g george who had been with the french party decided he could find the lost gun site and organized an expedition which crossed panamint valley explored wild rose canyon and reached the highest point in death valley but dr george's valiant efforts were no luckier than those of dr french william manley author of death valley in forty nine also tried but gained only another tragic experience and came nearer losing his life than he did with the forty-niners lost and without water and beaten to his knees he was deserted by companions and escaped death by a miracle how many have lost their lives trying to find the gun site no one knows there are scores of sunken mounds on lonely mesas which an old-timer will explain tersely it was looking for the gun site dr french after his failure pursued another and even more intriguing lost mine with a ready ear for tales of treasure he heard of a tribe of indians in the death valley area who were making bullets for their rifles out of gold accordingly he organized another party to find the gold for eleven months dr french and his hand-picked comrades combed the country the gold they found would have loaded no gun but you may add the lost bullet to your list of lost mines a member of this party was john searles for whom searles lake is named because early prospectors searched for brayfogle's lost mine throughout the region where he was found scalped an interesting digression is not amiss a few miles east of shoshone there is a gunsight mine named of course by the discoverer in the hope that he'd found the one so long lost it adjoins the noonday and was a valuable property which belonged to dr d l godchall of victorville the noonday produced five million dollars and was operated until silver and lead took a price dive a twelve-mile railroad was built from tacopa to haul the ore the steel rails were later hauled away and the ties went into construction of desert homes sheds fences and firewood for years the two properties could have been bought for what have you then came pearl harbor and a young kentuckian buford davis 
looking around for lead or any essential ores that uncle sam could use dropped off at shoshone charles brown told him of the gun site and the noonday davis inspected the properties bought them for a relatively small down payment he chose to begin operations on the noonday and sent ernie hun an experienced miner to deepen the shaft honest to god ernie told me i hadn't dug a foot when i turned up the prettiest vein of lead i'd ever seen in the next six years the noonday produced approximately a gross of nine million dollars and a net of probably six million dollars these figures were given me by don kempfer mining engineer and shoshone resident from estimates which he believes accurate in nineteen forty seven with the rich rewards attained but as yet unenjoyed buford davis made a hurried airplane trip to salt lake returning he was only a few moments from a safe landing when the plane crashed and all aboard were killed today in nineteen fifty the property belongs to anaconda and is considered one of the most valuable mines for those interested in lost mines i offer the list that follows the names are my own the lost chinaman when john searles was struggling to make a living out of the ooze that is called searles lake he had a mule skinner known as salty bill parkinson a fearless hard-bitten individual who was the paul bunyan of death valley teamsters while loading a wagon with borax salty bill and searles noticed a man staggering down from the slate range they decided he was supercharged with desert liquor and paid scant attention as he wobbled across the flat from the base of the range a moment later he fell at their feet they saw that he was a chinaman that his tongue was swollen his eyes red and sunken that he clutched at his throat in a vain effort to speak he could make no intelligible sound and lapsed into unconsciousness they thought he had died and was left on their hands for burial salty bill afterwards stated that he'd said to searles fremont carson or the mormons old bill williams for whom bill williams river bill williams mountain and the town of williams arizona are named was at resting springs he'll spoil in an hour i'll go for a shovel while you choose a place to plant him i'd actually turned to go when searles called me back searles had seen some sign of life and after removing a canvas bag strapped to his body they took him to a nearby shed gave him a few spoonfuls of water and eventually he was restored to consciousness he lay in a semi-stupor all the afternoon and was obsessed with the idea that he was going to die his chief concern was to get to mojave so that he could take a stage for a seaport and die in china or failing arrange for the burial of his bones with those of his ancestors he had been working at old harmony borax works picking cotton ball borax with other chinese employed by the company but tiring of abuse by a tough boss he'd asked for his wages and walked out some paiutes told him of a shortcut across the panamint and this he took en route he picked up a piece of rich float stuck it into his bag farther on his journey he ran out of water and became hopelessly lost he managed to reach the slate range however and from the summit saw searles lake though in no condition to stand the rough trip to mojave he begged to be sent there and yielding finally salty bill ready to leave with his load threw the chinaman on his wagon and started on his trip before reaching mojave the chinaman's condition became worse and salty bill stopped the team in answer to his yells 
the canvas sack lay alongside the stricken chinaman and reaching for it he brought out a lump of ore never in my life said salty bill have i seen ore like that the chinaman gave the ore to salty thanked him for his friendly treatment told him that at a place in the panament where the big timber pitches down into a steep canyon he had found the float again he expressed his belief that he was going to die and extracted a promise from salty that if death came before reaching mojave salty would see that his remains be shipped to china adding that any chinaman in mojave would provide money if needed you find the gold and keep it he told salty for me no good no can the journey was completed and salty learned that the chinaman did die at mojave and that a countryman there saw that the remains were sent to the flowery kingdom salty bill showed the ore to john searles and searles usually indifferent to yarns of hidden ledges was even more excited than salty for four or five years the two men made trips in search of the place where big timber pitches into a canyon after these other tireless prospectors sought the elusive ledge but the lost chinaman is still lost the lost wagon jim hurley went to parker arizona broke he wanted quick money and was looking for placer the storekeeper was a friend of jim and had previously staked him i'm looking for a place to wash out some gold but i've no money and no grub jim was told of a butte on the colorado desert it's good placer ground and you ought to pan a few dollars without much trouble he provided jim with bacon and beans and feed for his burrows jim set out found the butte but no gold and decided to try a new location on the way out he saw behind some bushes an old wagon that seemed to be half buried in blow sand thinking it would be a good feeding place for his burrows he went over on the ground nearby he saw the bleached skeleton of a man he threw aside a half-rotted tarpaulin in the wagon bed and discovered fifteen sacks of ore. It was obvious that the wagon had stood there for a long time. He examined the ore and saw that it was rich and of a peculiar color. He loaded the ore on his burrows, returned to Parker, and sent it to the smelter. He received in return eighteen hundred dollars losing no time jim returned to find the source of the ore and though for the next five years he looked at intervals for a quartz to match that found in the wagon he could find nothing that even resembled it where it came from no prospector on the desert would even venture an opinion but all declared they had seen no quartz of that peculiar color and all of them knew the country from mexico to nevada but jim added to his store an adventure and a memory and there is no treasure in this life richer than a memory the lost goller this i believe is a lost mine that really exists and though the location has been prospected from the days of dr darwin french in eighteen sixty none have looked for it except the one who lost it in eighteen fifty he was john goller who came to california with the jayhawkers goller was a blacksmith and a wagon maker and was the first american to establish such a business in the pueblo of los angeles after convincing the native californian that his spoke-wheel wagon would function as effectively as the rounded slabs of wood the only vehicles then used he made a comfortable fortune and no one in the pueblo had a reputation for better character crossing the panament goller though strong and husky became separated from his companions and barely escaped with his life 
coming down a panamint canyon he found some gold nuggets and filled his pockets with them after crossing panamint valley and the slate ridge he was found by mexican vaqueros of don ignacio del valle owner of the great camulos rancho after his recovery he proceeded to los angeles in showing the nuggets to friends he said i could have filled a wagon with them goller because of his means was soon able to take vacations which were devoted to looking for the lost location and though he searched for years he found no more nuggets finally he found a canyon which he believed might have been the site but no wagon load of nuggets john goller was a solid clear-thinking man not the type to chase the rainbow gold is known to exist in the canyon and some mines have been operated with varying success but none have been outstanding it is quite possible that cloudbursts for which the panamint is noted washed goller's gold away or buried it under an avalanche of rock dirt and gravel manley with his forgivable inclination to error refers to goller as galler and discounts the story some day said dr samuel slocum a man who made a fortune in gold somebody will find a fabulously rich mine in that canyon it is located about twelve miles south of ballarat and is called goller canyon one of the l's and goller's name having been dropped the lost spook a spiritualist with tuberculosis came to ballarat and employed an indian known as joe button as packer and guide he told joe to lead him to the driest spot in the country joe took him into the cottonwood range and left him the invalid remained for several weeks returned to ballarat en route to san bernardino presumably for supplies he was reticent as to his luck but he had several small sacks filled with ore and in his haste to catch the stage dropped a piece of quartz from a loosely tied sack it was almost solid gold and weighed eight ounces while in san bernardino he died his relatives sold the remaining ore which yielded seventy two hundred dollars they tried to find the claim but failed shorty harris heard of it months afterwards and looked up joe button with his own burros joe's pack horses and an indian known as ignacio he set out cloudbursts had washed out the previous trails filled gulches leveled hills and so transformed the country that the indian was unable to find any trace of his previous course gave up the hunt and turned back shorty cached his supplies and with the meager description joe could give him searched for weeks at last he came upon a camp where he discovered a collection of pamphlets dealing with the occult but no trails it was apparent that these had been destroyed by floods and for two months shorty searched for the diggings a brush pile aroused his suspicions and removing it he found the hole the ore had uncle sam's eagle all over it shorty said and the world was mine i returned to my camp started spending the money a million dollars for a rest home for old worn-out prospectors fifty thousand a year for all my pals shorty ate his supper spread his blankets and went to sleep with his dream in the middle of the night he awoke something was running over his blanket he raised up and in the moonlight recognized the only thing on earth he was afraid of the hydrophobic skunk i started packing right now shorty said and walked out there's a mine there and whoever wants it can have it i don't the lost canyon 
as some evidence of reality jack allen a miner and prospector of almost superhuman endurance got drunk at skidoo and filled with remorse and shame the morning after decided to leave and seek a job at the keen wonder mine about forty miles northeast across death valley to save distance allen took a short cut over sheep mountain and in going through a canyon he picked up a piece of quartz and seeing a flack of color he broke it excited by its apparent richness he filled his pockets noted his bearings and went on his way when he reached the keen wonder he took the ore to joe mcgilland the company's assayer who became more excited than the finder i'll put it in the button for half joe said allen agreed the assay showed values as high as twenty thousand dollars to the ton he closed his office and ran out to find jack working in the mine chuck this job he cried go back to that claim quick as you can get your monuments up and record the notices jack allen bought a burro loaded his supplies and went back only to discover that a cloudburst had destroyed all his landmarks both shorty harris and bob eichbaum who established stovepipe wells resort considered this the best chance among all the legends of lost mines it is wild rough and largely virgin country and because of that the hardiest prospectors always passed it by the lost johnny an indian known as johnny used to come into york's store at ballarat about once a month with gold in bullion form he would sell it to york or trade it for supplies frequently he had credits amounting to a thousand or more dollars other indians soon learned of johnny's mind and would trail him when he left town but none were able to outsmart him that it was near arastri springs was generally believed upon one occasion johnny was seen leaving the old arastri and disappear in the canyon immediately evidence that the arastri had been used within the hour was discovered for years no prospector worked in that region without keeping his eyes peeled for johnny's bonanza End of chapter twenty two